Hi there, welcome back to the podcast of Wednesday's Child. So today we're really going to do a deep dive into the world of food, eating, getting back into the kitchen and instead of just doing all the talking, we're going to do lots of the doing as well. So joining me on the channel today again is Sarah. Hi Sarah, how are you? Ah, uh, yeah, not too bad. Thanks Debbie. I thought we'd start with a bit of a confessional if you don't mind Sarah. Of course. Uh, well, I just feel the need and, and actually I don't know how much of a confession this is but do you know what? I'm finding it really tough. Um, oh. I know the real kind of third lockdown is kind of only just beginning and maybe it's the post-Christmas thing, but I'm not going to be all bright and breezy and say, oh, isn't it lovely to see this white crisp stuff outside the window and it's all chilly, but you can wrap up and be all smiley and happy. I just think my mood's really feeling it right now. And I suspect that's true for an awful lot of people that yeah. have their own kind of underlying mental health issues. I'm so glad you said it because I've had thoughts and feelings and behaviours and moods start to kind of like creep back into my head this week like I haven't had for such a long time. And and I don't know about you, but the greyness and the darkness and the crappy weather, you know, you I, we're all working from home here at my house and, and homeschooling and stuff. But even like like this around at five o'clock, you can't even go and just sit in your garden to get some fresh air for a bit because the weather's that crap. So, yeah, I've, I've, I, I'm finding it tough this week. I'll be honest, I really am. You really do have to kind of reach within yourself and find those alternative solutions, don't you, to see your behaviours off at the path so that it doesn't kind of just create this perfect storm of scenarios where the gremlins that you fought so hard to deal with in your past could, you know, could come right back and start to bite you. Yeah, and keep me just reminding... I, 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 it was just yesterday, I had to just have a sit and I had to have a real check in with myself, you know, kind of just ask myself, come on, Sarah, where's this coming from? Where's this crept back from again? And, and, and why, why, why is it here? And, and why, where's this feeling coming from? Um, and sort of just get, getting my toolkit out again, to be honest, a little bit. Not, not, you know, I'm still eating and I'm still, you know, doing everything and, uh, that, that, that should be done. But it's just that those feelings and that mood, yeah. I think, is, is, is tripped me up this week. Yeah, I have even gone to the point, and I'm, I don't know what you're like about lists, but I am a bit of a one for lists. And I always think when it comes to work matters, I'm, you know, I'm a list ticker. So I like to write things down. There's a sense of kind of I've achieved it. I've, I've done that. So the other day I was thinking, OK, I need to keep making sure I'm doing that something by way of self-care or just self-care. I think sometimes can sound a bit self-indulgent, but I just yeah. mean something that is you focused. It's just kind of looking after yourself, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a hot bubble bath or whatever. And I just wrote a handful of things down so that when I'm having those kind of crappy moments towards the end of the day, and I am feeling a little bit low and I know that I'm not due to see anybody else or that there's a danger that this is going to descend somewhere. I just wrote a handful of things down that just prompted me to say okay you know take a good book and go and curl up on the sofa or you know get get another episode of oh, um I, I can't tell you the ridiculous things I'm watching on that Netflix <laughs> and the like in the or if it is you know just lay in um lay in the bath and listen to a podcast so I've I've started to kind of grow my list now of podcasts I like music I like listening to things that I want to watch, books that I know are in the cupboard that need digging out, just so that in that moment, I don't get lost in a, I feel terrible, but I don't know what yeah. to do about it. I yeah, kind of, yeah. I feel terrible, but in that moment, it's like, like you mentioned the word tool, toolbox, it's like I can see the spanners and the screwdrivers in front of me. I haven't got a rummage. I know they're there. I use them. I can change the way I think and behave. And I think that's the bit that feels important for me. 
and just rem- I have to just remind myself all the time that when it comes to the end of the day, you then can still just still sit still. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that for me. Like, it's kind of being rather than doing. Exactly. And it's also, it's like, you know, my, my job beforehand, you're here, there and everywhere doing all sorts of bits and pieces. When you just sat at your dining room table it, and you've also still got that dark voice in your head that's telling you that you're being lazy and you're, but then you are sat at the table, it then kind of, it just manifests all that. It, ma- it magnifies everything. Um, so last night mine was, I put on, uh, about a boy you know the film with Hugh Grant oh I love that film I've seen it for many years exactly yeah. no, you know you like this so just sit so it was about five o'clock I was just sat there watching this daft film by myself but it was good it was kind of it, it made me feel better yeah so I think for anybody listening I think you know it just is so important that we all share with each other what our tips are for getting out of those kind of dark moments and also accepting that they will come these next few weeks we all know are going to be really tough lockdown isn't pleasant it wasn't pleasant really in the summer but we had aspects of the lockdown time that made it easier like as you say Sarah there was a whole lot more daylight hours there was an opportunity to go for a walk and you know and you know maybe when you did go for a walk because it was sunnier and brighter and drier you probably did see people even from afar you saw people as you were coming and going even if you didn't know them now it just feels dark and cold and whatever so we have to we have to find those other ways but I think the fundamental thing I would say and it's the very reason that our befriending exists is do not be alone. Do not, you know, whether you live alone or whether you have a family but still feel alone, don't feel that you need to keep those fears, thoughts, and that angst around how you're feeling right now. Don't just keep that within. You can pick up the phone to us or to a friend, build that cheerleading crew and, you know, that tribe as we talk about, and make sure there is somebody that you can just let off steam to a little bit and just have a conversation and it's amazing I mean it's, it's a very kind of old adage isn't it trouble shared is trouble halved but it, it, it's so true no matter what you end up talking about with that other person it can make you feel so much better yeah definitely and it's, it's when you're sharing that trouble with someone that that's really been there and knows it and has wore that t-shirt <laughs> I was in touch with my befriendy um yesterday and it wasn't we weren't really making any great big waves and big milestone moments we were just you know passing forward a couple of messages we couldn't speak to each other because our kids were around but you know we were just passing forward a couple of messages throughout the day and it does it just makes you feel really great and just being being able to be honest you know god yeah. I feel shit yeah me too <laughs> it's that sort of you know you're not wallowing in each other's pity you're just sharing the fact that actually it's all right not to be all right yeah absolutely <laughs> so let's let's do a bit of a dive then into the episode today um i i feel so much of the time in our episodes and quite rightly we talk about lots of the different aspects that relate to the world of eating disorders because it's not as we've said so many times it isn't just about food it is an illness of the mind but having said that we've done an awful lot of conversation over the last few weeks about covid and about um, the festive season so i think we really do need to start talking about the food rather than allowing that to be the elephant in the room that we tiptoe around and i thought maybe we'd start on when you start on that journey to recovery where you go to with saying right you know day one week one this is where I'm going to start introducing more food into my diet how you go about that should you have a meal plan should you not should it start with healthy food should it start with small portions of food do you need assistance with that or do you just say so this I'm just going to eat everything that I haven't been eating for however long I've had this period of restriction so kind of any views on that Sarah I mean obviously I know that you're you when you came out of treatment you were sort of 
you were having your hand held a little bit, I suppose, as you went back into normal daily life, weren't you? Yeah, mine, yeah, mine was a peculiar one because obviously before I started treatment, I had no idea I had any issues. Um, so as far as I was concerned, I wasn't poorly and there was nothing wrong with my eating. This is how people ate, yada, yada. It wasn't until I went into full-time inpatients in hospital and I was presented with my first ever meal plan that I had any idea what one of those things was. Um, and then this started talking about half portions and full portions and 1.5 portions. And, and I was kind of sat thinking, what, what are you all talking about? Because I'd never ever kind of measured or equated food in that way whatsoever. Um, so my first ever look at what a meal plan would be was when I was actually in inpatients. Um, and I sort of did as I was told because I was in hospital and that's what you do, don't you? You're surrounded by doctors and nurses. So you think, yeah, I best do as I'm told. Um, and then when I came out of actual full-time hospital and went into day services, that kind of like constant conversation and review of that meal plan was a, was a weekly thing for me. Um, when I committed to my full real committed recovery after my massive relapse, when I started to commit that in 2019, the first thing I said to my dietitian was take that meal plan away from me. Um, okay. So I'd like, I had, I, I'd kind of had a, a realization that for me, the meal plan was becoming another crutch. The meal plan was becoming another something that anorexia was kind of hanging on to. But I also though know that for many, many folks, those meal plans are an absolute, right, a literal lifeline and, and a, a perfect and, and get them through all sorts of problems. Um, yeah. I find, I find I, 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 this, this topic for me is tricky and I find it quite controversial because whoever you talk to, they have a very different opinion about to meal plan absolutely. or not to meal plan. That's absolutely why I thought we needed to record this as an episode because I think everybody has a view, don't they, and a, a very clear view about how you should jump back into recovery, what it should look like, what route you should go down. And as you say, whether it's that you've been inpatient or whether you are just deciding, you know, by your own volition that I am going to start to get recovered, the approach you take will be very different. There will be people that will listen to this who will have gone from eating very, very little, having a very, very restricted approach to realizing that the only way they're going to get out of this is to have, you know, fast food three times a day, chocolate biscuits until they make themselves sick, whatever. <laughs> and that's their way of dealing with it. There will be others that will say it's going to need to be accompanied by a nutritionist all the way through a very gentle diet plan. And it's a step by step. Personally, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think I worry about meal plans. I know the times I've tried to operate with a, a meal plan, I think somehow they cause you to feel even more restricted. And then you fear that the meal plan is still telling you that this is the amount of portion. What if I still feel hungry? And actually, you know, that's the thing we don't talk about enough, I don't think, when we still feel hungry, but perhaps your dietitian has said a set amount, somehow you're now feeling well, of course, I'm not entitled to eat anymore because it's not written down on this yeah, piece of yeah, paper. Exactly. It's that, it's that, again, it's that permission of feeling you're, what you're allowed and not allowed to eat. And that's why I went to my um, dietitian in 2019 and said, take it away. Unfortunately, she, I had a, an amazing dietitian. She was brilliant. She was waiting for me to have that conversation with her because all the way through my recovery, it was about people waiting for me to realize that I needed a shift rather than forcing the shift because they knew I just go, no, piss off. I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, anorexia would say that. Sorry. Um, so she was like, yeah, yeah, fine, not a problem. Because for me, that meal plan, it was, 
well, I can't have anything more because of meal plan saying that I can't. So therefore I can't, regardless of how I'm feeling. And it had become that, that, that really kind of destructive um, tool, I suppose, in a way. I suppose one thing too says that obviously if someone is incredibly malnourished, then obviously the healthcare professionals will have them on potentially a tight meal plan to start off with because of refeeding syndrome. So I suppose there is a difference, isn't there, between those very, very early initial stages. And then as you go through, and I'm always a huge advocate of just three meals and three snacks a day, at least. Don't worry yeah. what's in them. Um, just three, at, at least a minimum of three meals and three snacks a day. And even if you just that, stick to that mantra, that's what I did. It was just like, you know, I've got to stick to three meals and three snacks a day, at least. And then the component parts of what they are can develop along with the behaviours you're trying to challenge and the foods you're trying to challenge. Absolutely. And I think for anybody that hasn't ended up in residential at any point, perhaps the bit that they may have missed along the way is that ultimately in most circumstances that three meals a day and three snacks will be the basis of what your kind of framework of meals is is made up to be but as you say even if you know you've been in hospital for a period of time it doesn't mean that actually you can only therefore eat the meals god help you the meals that were um, given to you during that hospitalization that's the time where you have to then you know pull on your big girl big boy pants again and say okay now I have to do this in the real world what what will those snacks consist of what will those meals consist of and where possible try and take some responsibility in planning those and producing those but but having said that you know we've also said on past episodes that sometimes it's appropriate to say in those early stages I know I need those three meals and those three snacks but I'm not mentally or physically capable of taking sole responsibility of doing that for myself and therefore I have to get the hell out of the kitchen and have somebody do it for me if I'm fortunate enough to live with a spouse or parent did did you find that James did that for you initially Uh, Debbie going back to the beginning of our conversation I asked James to do that yesterday Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm well down the line of my my recovery, well down. But because I just knew that voice in my head was 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 having a bit of a go at me yesterday, I just said, oh, "James, make my dinner, would you?" And he was like, "Yeah." He's like, he looked at me as if of course. Um, but oh, giving over control was a massive deal at certain points in my recovery. But it, it was an absolute. It was it was a lifesaver. It, literally a lifesaver. Um, and really simple things like just banning anything in the house that had the word light or low on it. And it's, it's a really daft thing to say, but I was, I was just scrolling through Instagram yesterday and there was picture after picture after picture of people in recovery talking and showing their snack and they were all diet snacks. Mm. Um, and it's like, no, just ban them, ban the word. You, you can still have an, a, a cereal bar, just don't have a cereal bar that says light. Or no only, or, yeah, yeah, or even the word only on it. Um, have a cereal bar that's just a cereal bar. That's fine. Don't just 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 ban the, anything that has light, low, or only on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, because they're not for us in recovery. They're not. They're for people in a different position and doing a different path. Anything with light, low, or only on it is not for and, us. And actually, now is the time to really take care of yourself because now will be the time that probably the supermarkets are promoting those ones at the front of the shelves because we're in January it's post Christmas and as we've talked about before it's the kind of worst time isn't it to tap into those eating disorders thoughts because it's all about marketing you know being slimmer being healthier not eating this not having bad for you stuff but actually what your body is craving is just something of everything and, and now isn't the time to start you know just breaking things down to what is good and what is bad now is just about restoration because 
you know, it goes without saying, you're the one that has for so many months, years, or however long it might have been, has been restricting and reducing your body's intake. And so it's crying out for not only the normal amount that the average person that's also walking around the supermarket is thinking about consuming, but way more than that, because you've got all this repair to do. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's you having to eat for energy that you shouldn't have lost in the first place, aren't you? So it's it's, it's all that repair, everything. And as soon as you start eating, remember someone gave me a brilliant allergy. It's like when you when you when you are struggling with a restrictive eating disorder and you first start eating, it's like you've got a Bunsen burner that's just come alive in your stomach. So it's going crazy because it's dead excited because it, it's got all this nutrition again it can do things with. So it burns it off in an instant. So you have to keep fueling yeah. that Bunsen burner or it's just going to die out again. And when we when our Bunsen burner was dead then we were practically dead. So what's the point? Keep that Bunsen burner alive, keep it stalked, keep it fueled. It's such a really good analogy, isn't it? And I don't know about you in, in the kind of process of befriending. Many, many times I'm having befriending conversations. And the one, that permission conversation that comes up so often is, Debbie, did you ever find that you got really, really hungry and that you were still hungry? And then you have to have that conversation about that's your metabolism saying, okay, so now we've started, keep me going. Keep yeah, exactly. Me and remember, you know, because we, we always say that we you're, you're restoring energy you shouldn't have lost, every little tiny inch of you needs that energy. So your hair needs that energy, your eyelashes need that energy, your toenails need that energy. It's got to get all the way through your mouth down to your toenails. So it needs it needs plenty of things in order to get it going, to keep it going. Um, but having that permission, I, I get asked a lot of time, you know, did you used to eat huge amounts of food? And again, that's that fear of amount and quantity and portion size that's coming through questions such as that, I think. Um, and the answer is, God damn it, yes, I eat and still do eat huge amounts of food. I'm, I'm a big eater. My, my body likes food and it, it has portions. My tea on an evening is often much bigger than my husband's because he'll eat whatever and he'll feel satisfied. And I'm like, oh, no, I'll have a bit more dal. Thank you very much. I'll have a bit more rice. Um, and that's fine. That's just how my body is. It likes its food. Yeah. And I, I would say as a kind of tip, it's something that I found did work. It's something that I'm sure a lot of people go through when they've had a long time with the illness is when they sit down and say, but I don't even know what I like to eat. Yeah. And I don't even know. I genuinely, that's true. I think yeah. because you've then spent so long overthinking everything you've ever allowed yourself to eat. Actually, you're kind of, you know, your fear foods are just based on things you've told yourself. So actually, you don't even know whether you like, you know, even the worst stuff, like even the, the semolina or the sprouts or whatever, or meat or not meat. You know, you've got to allow yourself that period of time just to say, oh, I'm going to have to rediscover. And it is a bit like going back to childhood and learning what you like and don't like again. So one tip from that, I guess, would be take yourself back to a point pre your eating disorder and say, if, if I'm starting to get off the, if I'm start, struggling to get off the starting blocks, perhaps one of the first things I can say to myself is, before my eating disorder set in, what food did I used to eat that made me feel happy? So, and that could be, I don't know, it could be a bag of prawn cocktail skips. I don't know where that came from, guys, but, you know, used to have them in our house. <laughs> or, you know, another thing for me was frosties with top of the milk, you know. If that's the thing, that means that those things become your mealtimes, they become your snacks for a period of time, then you go with that. If that's what's going to allow you to get back into the pattern, then I suggest you go with it and you get up out of the starting blocks that way. You know, get some momentum going by choosing the things that you find easiest to turn to initially. 
ask. I would say, do I like this? And like, I'd get some out of the cupboard and I'd just say, do I like this? And people around me would go, yeah, oh, pretty fine. Or, or, or did I used to like this? You know, I would I'd, I'd purposefully ask that question to kind of just remind myself that like you said of those days gone by where it wasn't even something that you would even question or think about. Um, but yeah, and, and, and go back to all those things that you've told yourself for years that you're not allowed to eat. Like, why aren't you allowed to eat them? The only reason why you're not allowed to eat them because at some point that, that eating disorder voice has taken over your decisions and your thought processes. You are allowed to eat anything that you can get your hands on anything at all and you don't need permission to do it um you can you're allowed to just 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 do it just try it eat cocoa pop straight from the box that's what i used to do at uni i used to do my bed at uni and we watched some crappy film and cocoa pops were always on offer at the supermarket down the end of the street and i would sit in my bed eating cocoa pop straight out of the box <laughs> so like why not i'm do sure that? many of us have done that i'm <laughs> sure we yeah many of us have done that and actually that's quite joyous because once you've lived that period of time where the illness is ruled and then you get back to the point where the rules have gone somewhat and you feel actually I'm, I'm doing this as freely as I was previously prior to the illness then that you know you're in a good place when yeah. you don't, don't feel you need to kind of justify the state of hunger or you know wandering up and down shelves of supermarkets to think you know there's a thousand and one items here and there's only three on the shelves that I'm entitled to all these kind of stupid thoughts that you tell yourself when you're entrenched in the illness that's I mean I, I think potentially food shopping is maybe something we should do as a full episode by itself Debbie because I think the fear and the panic and the spin around food shopping um I think is, is a real stumbling block and it definitely was for me. Um, and, and that can be a make or break in terms of what's actually in your cupboards at home in order to eat in the first place. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know, it's a really I know prior to COVID, one of the things that Wednesday's Child was doing was doing some accompanied food shopping for those that were in a really difficult place, particularly those who'd come out of treatment and just, you know, how do you chuck people out of treatment? That's one of the issues that we've got, I think, in this country is, people come out of residential and then sometimes depending where they live actually the level of service and occupational therapeutic support isn't there enough to help them say well you know if you live on your own and you're now back in your own kitchen and you've for the last six months you've been in a therapy unit and not cooking for yourself or anything well where do you start how do you go to Tesco's and top your cupboards up with what you need and so we were doing some accompanied shopping prior to COVID and obviously the kind of the nature of the restrictions meant that we had to sort of curb that somewhat but we have been doing a little bit of that via um whatsapp support so perhaps that's something we can talk about doing a little bit more for people if you fancy having sarah and i in your ear while you're going around <laughs> the market and you know then no, but it, i mean i i had i unlike the conversation you just had there i had fantastic aftercare and amazing occupational therapy support and i was i was taken through how to do internet shopping and then my occupational therapist would sit with me while we did internet shopping we did internet shopping just for me and then internet shopping for the family I, they were there that I was then taking around supermarkets um clothes shopping you name it so having again it's that cheerleading squad that we talk about an awful lot isn't it um and the one thing I do think that is my kind of like when you know you said about when you're eating and you're sort of celebrating the fact that you're, you're not in that dark place anymore double carbs that's my celebratory oh, carbs with because everything. like because like when I remember when I was in uh inpatients double carbs was like this big oh my god her meal plan says double carbs and everybody was like shock horror um but for me so like last night I had like quadruple carbs I think and I sit and think actually god can you remember a time when the thought of having uh spaghetti bolognese and a piece of garlic bread was just no can't do that possibly ever yeah. um 
and it is it's, it's as you go through the journey reminding yourself of those little wins and those those lovely little things that you now can do but it, it helps you make the progress doesn't it and i think something else I don't know how much you've ever used things like gratitude journaling, but something that is really useful as you are traveling through your recovery journey, or just on the pure eating side, is at the end of the day, when you are about to go to bed, and maybe that's when your head is a bit, okay, so I ate that today, and I'm feeling a bit rubbish about this, but I'm wondering if this was the right thing to eat. Just take a notebook and write three really positive things down that you achieved in the course of looking after yourself nutritionally that day. Whether it's, you know, I did tackle the double carbs or I did eat that kind of, I don't know, that slice of my mum's cake that I've not had since I was 12 years old. Or I did return to green top milk instead of red top milk, whatever it is. It's really good to look over those things and think, yeah, you know what? I'm really making progress. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. we forget to celebrate the small wins. Yeah, it's hugely important, especially when it comes to challenging the food stuff, because for us in the moment, that that can be the bit that is that's that's so difficult. And the fact that you've then challenged and repeated that challenge over and over again, that you now can make a cheese toasty. And 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 for the people, again, that's why when you get your good tribe and you get your befrienders around you that have been on that journey as well, because they'll help you celebrate that. Because Auntie Mabel will go, all right, great, you had cheese sandwich, well done, I have them every day. You know, but someone who's been there will be able to say, do you know what, that's class, well done, keep going, keep yeah. going. And with the people that you live with, whether that's flatmates or family or whatever, I'd, I'd be really open with them about what you're anticipating you're going through and what you need to do for yourself and kind of give them the heads up because something you want to see off at the path before it becomes an issue is the level of conversation that other people might want to have around what's suddenly on your plate. And even if you need to discover for yourself, is it helpful for someone to comment on the portion size that you're now ha having? Or is it helpful for someone to serve that food up for you? Or is it better that you have a conversation in advance about how the food is served? Should you all have dishes in the middle of the table rather than one person serve the food for you? Those are kind of things you're going to need to navigate for yourself. But you don't want to get into that daily regime of just being in floods of tears at the table because some really well-meaning parent wants to keep saying to you you're doing really well to have yeah. your spaghetti because that's more spaghetti than you ever used to eat I mean because all that does is you know we feed into the world of eating disorders and our head says that means I'm eating loads you know when actually it was a really well-meaning comment in the same way that we say that kind of you know you're looking well yeah <laughs> I had to have all of those things like as a a gradual and phased I had to layer it all up and um, that's why you know that that year was just such a massive 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 great big headache and emotional wreck uh because everything every week there was like the next layer the next layer the next layer of something in order to make it so to go from me portioning my own food in the kitchen to then some then James looking at me portioning it to then me giving James permission to portion it for me, to then me being able to sit at a table with an empty plate and have someone portion it from big bowls in the middle of the table for me, to me then being able to sit with an empty plate and portion it myself in the middle of the table. That five-step approach there, that that was a good couple of months worth of, if not longer, months worth of, of actual therapeutic work and then challenging and repeating that all the time and all the time and all the time. Um, it does. It takes a long time, but that's why we always say, Look, you've just got to keep, sticking your, your feet in and getting your big girl's pants up and just going for it yeah and and actually <laughs> I'm just going to mention something that I heard being said while I was busy cursing the television this morning when they were talking about a particular diet plan and the word that got mentioned which really struck me again was that 
this guy was saying about sustainability. And I was thinking, actually, the one thing I'm going to take about this advert and say, actually, is really useful for us all to remember in recovery from an eating disorder is whatever approach you take, you've got to try and make things sustainable. So what you and I have said so many times that really wind us up on Instagram and other kind of social media channels is people doing those one-off big celebratory, look at me, I've just had my double carbs or I've had melted cheese all over this big portion of chips when we know darn well that they've done it once and then they want, you know, to be praised by everybody in the community. What you learn to bring back into your life as you recover has to be something that you're sustaining day after day after day. And if you're fortunate enough to join us for our six month program, one thing we're gonna be talking about is that you're layering on changes. You're layering on those kind of gradual, I don't don't know, gradual tactics, if you like, but you don't put one tactic in and then take the one away that you used last month. It's add one, add one, add one, add one and repeat, add one and repeat, add one and repeat. Yeah, and choosing the, I'm a big advocate, not just to the three meals and three snacks, and then the next stage is make sure you get rid of anything that's got law only or um, diet written all over it. But also really thinking about a couple of real hinge behaviors. So for instance, for me, it was scales, keeping a list of calories and weighing myself. So those three hinge behaviors I knew were going to be the gateway behaviors. If I started to crack those, the gateway behaviors to opening up a whole host of other things that I then could do. Yeah. So I started off with those in January 2019. Now I didn't get to really get in my head around all three of them till maybe August, September. But gradual, gradual, you know, I stopped weighing lettuce and then I stopped weighing lettuce <laughs> and bread. And then I stopped weighing lettuce, bread and something else, you know. And so over time it did grow into something that then, but having those three is my right. If, once I've done these three behaviors, I know that I've given anorexia a massive kick in the teeth slap in the face yeah 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 yeah. but it's not going to happen by doing it once on a tuesday on instagram it's just not (laughs) and because it's not just going to happen overnight one of the things you really do need is to join us on our recovery modules so our recovery course is starting at the end of the month on the last sunday of january i know some of you have already been in touch about wanting to join us the way we're running this is um once every month on a sunday you're going to join Sarah and I and the Eastern Disorder community of those of you that are really inspired to make this the year that you get recovered. And we're going to be talking about all the challenges, but also all the tactics. And it will be a whole host of tears, tantrums and tips that help us move forward. So whatever stage you are at in your recovery, if you are interested in being in a shared community that can see you through from January 21 through to the summer, when goodness only knows let's hope we're all in a much much better place to be able to celebrate and socialize with our friends and family we're going to take you through that period and um cover everything really covering kind of food eating socializing relationships lots and lots of issues that come up for us all in in recovery we're looking forward to it aren't we oh i can't wait i'm actually looking forward to all the gap tasks as well all the homework so that we actually can like be, be doing things actively doing things in our proper recovery um, in between the sessions in order to be able to support each other and, and and keep moving on and how wonderful would it be if you know in this crappy crappy year we're going to have again unfortunately let's be honest with lockdown and everything else like that if the 
us, our little gang, can be the gang that views lockdown as a real positive movement and made ourselves well. It was the momentum rather than a period that we all felt rubbish. Exactly. Yeah, we can look back when we're 80 and go, ah, you lot were all miserable. I recovered from my eating disorder that year. Uh, (laughs) So amazing. If we could all actually celebrate with a proper Christmas with our friends and family, knowing that Christmas 2021, eating disorders well behind us, celebrating and living a real happy, healthy life. I want to celebrate part of next Christmas with you, Debbie. You and I need a bottle of champagne. What, in person? Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I think we'll we'll deserve more than one bottle of champagne. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's our plan. So, um, you know, share with us what your ambition and aspiration is. If you want to get involved on that course, then please check out our uh, website and our social media content about that. Or you can just drop us an email to hello at wednesdayschild.co.uk and we'll sign you up. Okay, I'm going to wrap now for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope some of the tips and tricks that we've given you today are helpful. Just remember, we're only kind of that first few days into January 21 and you get to decide what this year is going to look like for you. Thanks, Sarah. We will speak again soon. Keep well, everyone. Take care.